On this week's show, we irrevocably stand on the precipice of deliberation of yet another of Celluloid's maligned progressions. Yeah, I'm not sure what that means either, but we're definitely talking about The Matrix Reloaded. Ergo, I'm Neff Knowles. I'm Laura Medeiros. I'm Megan Swain. And I'm Colin Burry. And this is Bad With Numbers. So would you guys do it? Uh, I mean, take the red pill? Um, I don't know. Okay, so I think if I was given a little bit of a better, um, I guess, pitch than the one given to Neo, I would probably do it. But if I was just kind of handed one by some random person that I've never, ever met before, I'm not. But you got to think about it. This is something Neo was looking for. He was searching. That's true. For what the Matrix, he, he wanted answers. And this was the way for him to get his answers was to meet with Morpheus, who clearly we don't, I mean, this is the first movie thing, but we don't see their relationship prior to when the movie starts. But it's assumed that they, you know, spoke on some message boards or something. <laughs> they were on Usenet together. Yeah, that's right. I guess I'm, I'm just not one of the type of people that take pills from random strangers like i'm not knocking people who do it's just not yeah, my, good, my not. scene right yeah so so if some dude <laughs> on a street corner in toronto you know shows you a red pill and is like hey man this will take you to another world it'll show you the truth of the universe you would take it huh i mean that sounds like a wednesday <laughs> to me so you know <laughs> Neth is the one with the red pill. <laughs> I kind of feel like we all took the red pill around about the time Bowie died. Mm. And we've just kind of been like free falling into a nightmare ever since. But, uh, you know, maybe that's just me. Yeah, welcome to Bad With Numbers, a podcast where we talk about terrible movie sequels. And on this week's show, we are talking about The Matrix Reloaded from the year 2003, directed by the Wachowski sisters. We have a very special guest. You know him as a DJ, a producer, game enthusiast, all-round nerd lord. I know him as somebody who fell asleep under my coffee table when we drank too many white Russians one night. Uh, please welcome to the show, Mr. Cohen Burry. Woo, thanks for having me, guys. Uh, my favorite member of the Kauai Bass Collective. <laughs> He's my favorite Cohen Bass DJ. No, <laughs> I'm my favorite Cohen Bass DJ. Imagine if you had another Cohen Bass DJ that was actually your favorite. You'd be in trouble. Yeah, that's true. Mm-hmm, that's true. Take <laughs> my job. When we we first started talking about doing this podcast. Mm. You basically bagsied a seat on this episode right from the get-go. You were like, if you're doing Matrix, I want in. Absolutely, yeah. No, The Matrix has always been like one of my favorite film. Uh, well, the, the Matrix has always been one of my favorite films. And, and I knew that this show was about doing bad sequels. And uh, it's generally considered that Reloaded's a pretty bad sequel. So I, I knew, uh, I begged and pleaded with you, Neth. Please, please let me on this episode. I wouldn't stop emailing you. I wouldn't stop sending you, you know, mail. That's true. <laughs> I, I did have to uh, put a, a spam block on your emails, but I am a benevolent <laughs> podcast host, and uh, and here you are. Um, Thank you. Yeah, no, you're right. This is kind of like regarded as a bad sequel, but I was kind of like looking at the original reviews for this movie when it came out. This thing's got rocking like a 73% score on Rotten Tomatoes. What? How? <laughs> yeah, which seems weird because everybody just seems to fucking hate this film, right? Yeah, they sandbagged this one. Mm. Not not more than Revolutions, but... Yeah, I was going to say, I, I guess compared to the third one, it's okay. Yeah, I mean, I I went back and watched this entire trilogy over the weekend. and um, Yeah, me too. 
Revolutions. I seem to remember when it came out, I liked it more than Reloaded. But watching it on the weekend, it was like, oh, this is such a weak source ending to this trilogy. <laughs> I know. What's, what are you guys' experiences with this? Um, uh, Meg and Laura, you guys like know this franchise, right? Uh, I saw the original Matrix in theaters when I was in high school, and luckily I didn't know anything about it when I went to watch it, so it blew my mind. <laughs> same, yeah, same. That was kind of my experience with it. I was an arrogant little prick that was going around saying that the Matrix was the Star Wars of our generation or some <laughs> bullshit. I made a few people, a- I might have made a few people angry with that statement, people that were like, you know a decade older than me or more yeah when when matrix reloaded finally came along i think i was in college and we rented it and we were like okay <laughs> we spent a long time afterwards going what the f-? like debating yeah. <laughs> what the fuck it was about like i i think we had like a conversation that was longer than the movie just trying to parse out <laughs> trying to piece it together yeah, exactly. Yeah, I mean, there's a lot to unpack in this movie, right? And um, many podcasts smarter than us have like delved deep into the philosophy of the Matrix uh, and how it kind of it riffs on Beaulieu's Simulacra and Simulation, which was like a book. I think it's actually the book is actually featured in the first movie. I think Neo hides like a a flash drive in it or something, but basically, yeah, it, right at the beginning. Yeah, that's right. And um, it's basically a book from like the early 80s that implied that simulations existed in such capacity that it's kind of probable that we ourselves are now just part of a simulated existence. Um, There's like themes of Plato and the allegory of the cave. There's like a lot of Lewis Carroll iconography in that first movie. There's even like some pretty wild readings of the first movie as being like a metaphor for transgender awareness. Which is cool as shit to think that the Wachowskis managed to like slip that into a mainstream Joel Silver produced action movie in the 1990s. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, where people weren't even as close to being as progressive towards understanding transgender issues as like we are today. And we're still a long fucking way off from where we need to be. It's unfortunate they didn't go whole hog with that because Switch was originally supposed to be like a, a man in the real and a woman in the Matrix. And I think that's such a cool concept that they, they absolutely should have explored. Yeah, I mean, it's kind of like it would have been a, a great concept kind of place to do that right there was that black mirror episode about the two guys playing the video games oh and yeah playing the mixed genders <laughs> and stuff right yeah. yes. kinda... that's a great episode yeah that's the really one with Anthony Mackie in it right am i remembering that I don't yes. Know. yes yes yes, I yes, can't yes, yes. but yeah uh, so yeah it would have been cool if it but again you know again it was the 90s i guess people would have maybe balked at the idea because people are idiots so anyway yeah loads of podcasts have like already covered that way better than we're gonna do so what i really want to talk about is how fucking cool keanu's boots are in this film is <laughs> <laughs> everything I don't care about the rest. Of, I don't care for the rest of his wardrobe, but those boots, I want them, gives them to me. Can we get like, find a sponsor for the show that maybe makes these boots so I can like wrangle a free pair? I don't know. Doc Martin. I don't know. I don't know if they're a dog. They're, they're a little, they're a little fancier than a pair of docks, right? But, uh, but I like them. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. All right. We should do a little historical context on this. Um, Matrix Reloaded came out the weekend of May 16th, 2003. Uh, believe it or not, this opened at number one, staggering 90. 1 million it opened to i think it made like 280 million domestic and for like a long time it was the highest grossing r-rated movie worldwide oh it was rated r oh yeah oh god yeah well there were boobs oh yeah there were boobs there's boobs there's there's uh there's some pretty brutal gunshot wounds Mm -hmm. no no real cursing in this movie i noticed this when i was watching them nobody says fuck in uh the matrix Mm -hmm. ever just a couple shits yeah but yeah opened at number one um Deadpool knocked it off the top spot of being the highest gross and R-rated movie. Mm-hmm. Fucking Deadpool. <laughs> um, 
Number two movie that weekend is a movie that I know I have seen, but I remember precisely nothing about it. Daddy Daycare. <gasps> oh my god, I haven't heard of that movie. In... That came out the same year. As it came Matrix. out. The, it came out the fucking weekend before Matrix Reloaded. That's Adam Sandler, right? Eddie Murphy. Oh, Eddie Murphy. Oh. What am I thinking of? I'm thinking. I'm thinking of a different movie. I'm thinking of something with Will Ferrell in it. I don't know what you guys are thinking about. This is the Eddie okay. Murphy movie what's, where. What's, um, the, okay. what's the movie with Adam Sandler where he has to take care of like a little kid? Oh, that's Daddy's Home or something like oh, that. Oh no, Big Daddy. Big, Big Daddy. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> that's okay. Um, Daddy Daycare has a sequel called Daddy Day Camp, and even Eddie Murphy didn't show up for that one. Yeah. <laughs> It's actually Cuba Gooden Jr. When's the Daddy Day Camp episode? Yeah, I know. So I was just thinking, oh, <laughs> it smell, no, no, smells no, no, like no, no, an episode no, 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 no. to me. Um, You're banned from this podcast now. You're not allowed <laughs> to suggest any more things. Not putting ideas in his head. <laughs> no. Uh, number three at the box office that weekend is another sequel. Probably not one we're going to do. Uh, X-Men 2. Oh, God. That was a good movie. It's fine. No. It was a big deal at the time. It was, yeah, sure. It was a huge hit at the time. People were stoked. I had friends that saw it repeatedly in theaters, like over and over again. I think because it was kind of like such a an uptick in quality from the first X Men movie, mm. which was kind yeah. of iffy. I mean, it's still a Brian Singer movie, so I don't really have yep. much interest in it. All I seem to remember about that movie is it has Brian Cox shouting at Wolverine. That's about it. That's what I've got. <laughs> Who? Brian Cox? Yeah. The scientist? No, Brian Cox, the actor. Oh, the, sorry. Who Brian Cox, the actor, um, <laughs> was in the year above my dad at school as well. So. Oh, okay. Yeah, I keep forgetting that there's an actor named Brian Cox. Yeah, the physicist. You're right. The physicist is... I've, I've always had a crush on I'm him. I'm kind of amazed that you guys know who the physicist is. I thought he was exclusively like a, a British No, I, did, I literally just Googled that. Do not be impressed with me. Yeah, I'm not smart enough. <laughs> He's the cutest physicist. Oh, my God. Uh, number four that weekend, underrated little rom-com called Down With Love, starring my hometown hero, Ewan McGregor. Oh. And Renee Zellweger. Yeah, Ewan McGregor is from the same place that my uh, parents live. And proving once again that everyone has ties to the fucking MCU. That one was directed by Peyton Reed, who like went on to do Ant-Man. Mm. That's after Edgar Wright got fired from Ant-Man anyway. Uh, and number five was the Lizzie McGuire movie. And yeah. I don't, I don't know what that is. And more crucially, I don't care what that is. That is my gen. How did that, how did that get number five? That should be like just under the Matrix, to be honest. There's a lot of teens that were into Lizzie McGuire in the early 2000s. I think it had been out for a few weeks at that point. Mm. It, it was kind of, it was sliding its way down the track. Should definitely switch with Daddy Daycare, though. Yeah, I mean, I don't know what Lizzie McGuire is. It's a Disney thing, right? Yes. Hilary Duff. It was a Disney show. Yeah, Hilary Duff. Mm-hmm. And then, like, in true Disney fashion, they kind of, I guess, uh, finished up the series with a movie or whatever. Yeah, she, she goes to Europe or something and falls in love with some guy and he's a jerk. So then she sings on a stage for some reason with a girl that looks exactly like her, but she has brown hair. Mm, Hannah so, Montana. Hannah Montana-esque, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Just led right into that. Consider me sold. Um, Is there a sequel? No, I don't think so. To the Lizzie McGuire? movie i don't no idea that's kind of the box office of this movie like i say it was a fucking huge hit but we kind of need to talk about like the concept of this movie being transmedia in the there was also the animatrix released uh maybe like a month before this which had uh, a prequel story to this movie that kind of sets up the stakes of the film uh and also the enter the matrix game i don't know did you guys ever play this hell yeah dude <laughs> uh, i figured you might have done of course pretty sure we have a couple copies don't we 
Yeah, I've got I've got it on PC and PS2, and then I've got a copy of uh, of uh, what is it, uh, Path of Neo. Oh, okay, Path of Neo was kind of like after these movies, right? Yeah, that was that was. The movies are done. People panned the game because it wasn't about Neo. And they were like, we got to make like a Matrix game because Enter the Matrix is like a side story of uh, Ghost and Niobe. Yeah. And it's kind of like those are two characters that are set up in the movie and then they just disappear for like 80% of the film. Right. Mm -hmm. And the reason for that is because their story is playing out in a fucking video game. Yeah. I wasn't on board with this as an idea because I didn't feel like I needed to invest what was probably going to end up being like $80 on extra shit just to see a 140-minute action movie, right? I just I was like very against the idea of like, if you can't tell me that story in 140 minutes, I don't see why I should be like paying you money just to fill in the blanks that you can't be bothered to tell me. That's interesting. I'm, I'm completely the opposite. I think it's kind of genius like to have a piece of supplementary media that's actually playable to go along with your movie franchise i think that's that's ingenious nothing has ever really been done like that before you know what that reminds me of you know those uh dvd storylines that you could get and there was like one for shrek dvd storylines oh god really <laughs> yeah really really what do you mean do you guys you not remember that bring him up <laughs> you can't go one fucking episode without fucking shrek <laughs> Yeah, you could like, um, I believe there was one for like Shrek 2 where you could actually follow through the story and there was like the multiple choices, but you had to use your DVD clicker. It's like a kind of choose your own adventure. Yeah, Shrek yeah it's like a DVD yeah, game. A DVD. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, they have one of those on Netflix for Puss in Boots, I think. Mm hmm. Well, Black, again, Black Mirror did that as well, right? With yep. the, uh, I can't remember the Bandersnatch. name. Bandersnatch. Black Mirror episode. Bandersnatch. That's Bandersnatch. Yeah. yeah. I mean, good. yeah, in retrospect, I kind of think it is kind of cool that, that you could invest yourself in it in different media. Like I say, you could watch mm -hmm. the Animatrix short to get like a, a bigger picture of what the stakes of the movie were. Mm -hmm. And yeah, you could play the game to get like the side story of Niobean Ghost. At the time, I was a broke ass student and mm. did not want to pay any more than I had to for my entertainment. No, that's fair. Also, I don't think I had a console that could play Enter the Matrix <laughs> even. I rented the game. Back when that was a thing. But I, I think that it's good when you use it as a, you know, a complimentary way to tell the story, not as a crutch. So, like, I definitely would have loved to kind of had any kind of nods towards their side story. But instead, we, they just kind of popped up halfway through and we're like, oh, there you are. They don't really touch on it in, in Reloaded at all, Who go, how important Ghost and Niobe are to basically assuring that Neo is safe and gets the things done that he needs to get done. Yeah, because she just pops up in that freeway channel out of nowhere right yeah so I'm assuming that there's something mm. in the game that kind of dovetails into that part of the plot, okay? Yep. Oh, I should go play it, right? I think you should. I mean, it's it's not a great game, if I'm being honest. It's it's not amazing, but I, as a Matrix fan, it's like, it's fun. There was the Matrix Online was yeah, a thing the MMO. for a while as well, yeah. They were trying to like piggyback on the whole Warcraft thing, right, by setting it in the Matrix, but I feel like that kind of shut down about 10 years ago, because there was maybe like 10 people left playing it by that point. Mm -hmm. Yeah, the last, th the last thing I saw about that was that um, essentially like it shut down and as far as I'm to understand there's a group of people trying to do a restoration effort for the whole game to get it back up and running online whoa okay nice we've got this new matrix movie coming like this december right i imagine there's going to be like a vested interest in in all kinds mm -hmm. of spin-offs like that I wouldn't be surprised if we see like a revived version of Matrix Online. Oh, that'd be up. so sick. Yeah, I'd be curious to see how that plays out on like a, a PS5. I think um, the technology's there now to make that world believable, right? Mm -hmm. Especially utilizing any kind of VR. I think that would be fun. Matrix VR game. Oh, dude, I'd die. 
dude, please. <laughs> Augmented reality. <laughs> if we just found your sweet spot of VR Matrix online, please. Game, this is nice. our official uh, pitch to anybody who will buy it. We'll we'll write it. I play super hot VR like I'm in the Matrix. Oh. You know. I mean, super hot is the closest you're going to get to the Matrix, yeah. right? In terms mm-hmm. of mm-hmm. VR gaming. Holy shit, the amount of things I've broken in my house playing super hot on VR. <laughs> it's, uh, pretty sure my dog hates it every time I put that headset on now because he's just like running for cover. <laughs> he just hears a super hot and then like he's smashed up. flower pots. He's uh, <laughs> My dog's actually recognized the sound of the Xbox turning off as oh. being it means it's time to go for a walk oh. which is a really sad indictment of what my life is during yeah. lockdown <laughs> well at least you have a routine mm. i mean i guess it's a it's a recognizable enough routine that your dog's like oh he's done with the xbox i guess i mean it's kind time of time for walkies the fucking the little ding when you turn the xbox off has become like a pavlov's bell for my dog basically <laughs> <laughs> all right let's quickly recap this movie because this plot is so dense and there's so much going on and yet so little going on yeah that to try and beat by beat it would probably seem futile so it picks up sometime after the first movie um the machines are digging their way to zion to wipe out the remains of humanity so it's up to neo and his pals to find the oracle who's gone missing and locate the key maker who can help them find the source of the matrix in order for them to destroy it once and for all uh meanwhile agent smith the bad guy from the first movie has managed to begin to replicate himself uh and he's also managed to unleash a copy of himself into the real world as well First things first, Trinity drops a motorbike on the building right at the start of this movie and it explodes Hell like yeah. a firework factory. Hell and it yeah. is fucking awesome. Yeah. Fast oh, yeah. and various yeah. vibes and I'm living. It is great. It's like, it's such a great way to start this movie. And I mean, I guess the first movie starts with Trinity doing amazing shit mm-hmm. as well, right? Mm-hmm. Yep. But then after that, guess what we get? About 45 minutes of Zion. Oh, yeah, yeah. Now, they, they, they hinted at Zion a lot in the first movie as being this yep. fabled mecca of humanity. Mm-hmm. And then we finally get to see it in, like, the first 10 minutes. Yeah. And it's just so fucking underwhelming, right? It feels like a bit of a hellhole. It's more like a rat's nest that's inhabiting a giant machine that kind of still works, but not really. Yeah, it's it's just super grimy. I kind of get why Cypher decided to, he wanted to go back in the Matrix, right? <laughs> Yeah, yeah. He's Honestly, like, I want to go back in. Yeah, I want to eat steak. <laughs> exactly. It's, these people are not living the life in this Zion. Nope. It's, uh, it's kind of bleak. I'm gonna say Tank kind of oversold it. You know, he, he's like Zion, yes. the last human city. Like, yeah, man. I'm thinking like streets paved with gold. I'm thinking, you know, <laughs> there's a Starbucks on every corner. Yeah, exactly. I know Neo doesn't really react to things in this movie, but it would have been really <laughs> funny to have him react to Zion. Like, he gets there and he's like. Oh, <laughs> what a shithole! He's looking around like this is Zion, or he walks out and he's like, "So when do we get to Zion? Mm-hmm. Like that's Zion? Oh, okay. When do we get to the rich part of Zion? <laughs> the slum? They've got this control room that is like completely white. I don't know if you guys yeah. saw this. Yeah. What a fucking headache that must be to work in. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like I get annoyed under like strip lighting if I have to work with strip lighting on. These guys yeah. are like literally getting blasted in the face by pure bright white light. They got a cubicle in purgatory. Yeah, maybe. That's maybe they've been naughty in Zion <laughs> and that's what they have to do. Oh man. Yeah. yeah, so this movie just straight up throws an entire slew of new characters at us straight away, and none of them really fucking matter, right? Nah. Especially this kid. He's like a holdover from the Animatrix, right? Oh. 
Is he? Is that where he's from? Yeah, he's okay. like from the kids' story in Animatrix. Neo like saves oh. him from the Matrix. Okay, they do kind of nod to that, but they definitely don't even mention that at all. No, that's right. And that was kind of my issue with the whole transmedia concept is like, if you haven't seen the Animatrix, you're just thinking, who the fuck is this kid? Why is he kissing Neo's ass like this? Mm, mm. I mean, I'd do the same, right? If it, you know, yeah. if it was me and Keanu, I'd be like, Ooh, can yeah. I carry your boot bag for you, Keanu? <laughs> Would you like yeah. me to bathe you and give you a sponge bath, Keanu? Oh my god. I mean, in fairness, they're all doing that. Because every time he steps out his front door, they're like, can you kiss my baby? Oh god, yeah. Oh when he god. steps out of it, him and Trinity are like getting it on in a lift. It's fucking creepy. Sorry, getting yeah. it on in oh, an elevator. That's right, that's and, um, right. They're trying to... And then yeah. the doors open and there's like 300 people there with like, I don't know, gifts that they've made, brownies. I don't know what the fuck they're giving them as gifts. The amount of babies Neo has to kiss in this movie is just ridiculous. <laughs> Honestly, I would have just been like, all of your wishes will be granted. Just let me smash. So, yeah. <laughs> just oh, man. They're so desperate to get it on in this I film, mean, right? It, what yep. a pair of horn dogs. Well, <laughs> Along with everybody else. It kind of feels like, what else are you going to do there? Yeah. Yeah, basically. I guess. This is it. You're either going to sleep or fuck, right? Um, yeah. Yeah, it's so talky, right? Everybody is so talky. And yeah, uh, okay, guy on podcast complaining things are talky. But <laughs> <laughs> it just yeah. slams the pace of this movie right into a wall from the get-go. Nobody seems able to do anything in this movie without giving like a 10-minute speech about it first. <laughs> yeah, it's a little bit of a... It's a little bit front-loaded on the exposition. Because mm-hmm. it's like, here's another captain. Here's this other woman. Oh, by the way, there's uh, sentinels coming and, you know, blah, blah, blah. Uh, and just it's setting up the stakes really quickly in a very inorganic way Mm -hmm. that feels kind of like the whole movie feels like a video game there are aspects there are chunks of this movie where they're like oh we have to go through here to get this to do this and and i'm like that sounds like a video game i mean yeah it feels like a video game with a 45 minute cut yeah start that you cannot Mm -hmm. skip Exactly that. <laughs> That's about the length of the world record longest cutscene, actually. I mean, is that a Kojima? Maybe you know, is that um, is the? Yeah, it's Metal Gear Solid Four. I figured it was. Oh, really? I figured it was one of the yeah. Metal Gear Solids, right? It's like a forty-eight minute cutscene. Nice. I mean, that's basically what this is, right? Because it takes around that time before we actually have the first kind of fight scene. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, there, there's so much just farting around in Zion at the start of this movie. We have this scene where Morpheus uh, addresses this crowd in this big fucking cavern. I actually really like that speech. There's no way anybody past the first four <laughs> rows is hearing a fucking word he's saying, right? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, I was thinking that too when I was watching it. I'm like, the acoustics in this place must be fucking amazing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> they need to hire a better sound guy right because those people at the back go what's he saying that's why he opens with zion hear me it's like that scene from life of brian <laughs> blessed are the cheesemakers <laughs> what is that <laughs> yeah it's um i don't know this oh yeah he gives a speech like i say everybody has to give a speech in this movie yeah uh-huh. and then they have a big rave and again yep. sound system is where exactly <laughs> <laughs> It's just like 200 drummers, I guess. I don't know. Yeah, Stomp is performing. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. Wasn't, wasn't his speech something along the lines of, we might die soon, but fuck it, let's party? Basically, yeah. <laughs> they, don't, they don't seem to give too much of a shit that they are probably going to be annihilated tomorrow. I don't Bang, know. Bang, like your lives are depending on it. It's one of those things where he just kind of says, um, we're not going to die because we're still here. So like, fuck them. And then everybody starts dancing. Let's shake this cave. Get the condoms. Yeah, if we jump 
up and down enough, it might scare them away, right? Um, yeah, they look like flying fish when they're <laughs> on that long pan. <laughs> yeah. And by the way, the fact that Zion has lasted this long in one place kind of surprises me, actually. That's a good point, actually. Like, this whole storyline about the Sentinels drilling down to where they are, like, my first question was, this isn't happened this hasn't happened before how many zions have they gone through like you'd think that they would have some kind of a bug out well plan. we know the answer to that we find out the answer oh that. yeah they've well, been yes. through six zions yes in or theory this is the yes but i one. but yeah i mean from their perspective you'd think that they would have bugged out a couple of times to to move to a new location yeah sure the the nature of their existence feels like it should be nomadic even though it's not yeah um everybody's just kind of like getting it on at this rave um <laughs> It's like it's like one mask away from becoming eyes wide shut here because yes. people are yeah. just down to fuck in this movie, which is that was the first time that like ten year old me was like rewinding the VHS and like trying to pause. Oh, and, yeah, there's a boob. Yeah, I mean you do Side see boob. you do see boobs. There's like a lot of, of see through tops. Mm-hmm. I don't know yeah. where they're getting all these clothes in Zion. Is there like a fucking h&m down there or something that's selling them <laughs> hot couture fashion but yeah and we get some side nudity with neo mm-hmm. and trinity banging on a oh yeah or whatever is that a bed what <laughs> what was it that they were laying on no, there it is, it it's like, like a futon right sure okay but yeah. also anybody else notice the uh as they're getting it on he's having visions of her getting shot in the tummy and yeah. falling out a window mm-hmm. and yeah. then he comes <laughs> yes Fuck, guy. I'm pretty sure I mentioned that. He's just that good that even when he's not into it, he can he can just blow his load because it's unlimited. He's the no, one. No, you're breathtaking. <laughs> That's one of the perks of being the one, I guess, is, is he you can, can fake just orgasms. blow your load to whatever. Whatever pops in your head at the time. Matrix Reloaded. <laughs> yeah. Oh, my God. Finish this. Yeah, exactly. Um, exactly. So... Would you guys rather go to the rave from Blade or the Matrix rave? Well, I mean, the rave from Blade ends with me getting my head cut yeah. off, probably. So probably the Matrix one, I think. <laughs> the rave in Blade is like one regular guy and a bunch of vampires eating that one guy. The rave in Blade looks way more fun. Mm-hmm. The yes. rave in the Matrix looks more safe, but also looks like yeah. it smells bad. Oh, God, yeah. <laughs> oh, there is a festering odor around Zion. You can just... I have to give the... Pro- it does look like a very diverse mm. crowd, but at the same time, they've gone for a really tribal aesthetic so i don't know how like i don't know how i feel about that it, it's yeah like it's very diverse but i feel like the diversity is purely for to support the aesthetics of the theme or something yeah definitely i noticed that too it, it's interesting when you look at the the different um like crews of the different ships like you'll have like multiple asian dudes like you know uh yeah. black guys black women like it's it's very very diverse and yeah you know i feel like that's something you don't really see a lot of in in you know other movies of that era is is just a way more diverse sort of background casting i suppose or not background casting secondary characters tertiary characters yeah i mean yeah it's like you know this movie scores big on that front mm-hmm. i don't know the rave I don't think it needed to be a thing. It also goes on way too long. And it ends with Morpheus going, good night, Zion. And it it reminded me of that scene in in, uh, Hook. Where the kids are like, good night, never. <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> <laughs> you just 
just hear from the back of the fucking rave, Good night, Morpheus! <laughs> <laughs> oh my god. Damn. Uh, let's take a minute cool. and just have a little bit of Keanu Reeves appreciation, please. Oh yeah. yeah. I think hands down Keanu Reeves is probably my favourite movie star. Not Not actor, right? But star. Mm. In terms yeah. of screen presence... He's just so fucking reliable. Um, I've idolized him since I was about 11 years old. Uh, Around that time, I saw like the first Bill and Ted movie on video and then like Point Break, Parenthood, Bogus Journey, all in like really quick succession. He's kind of been like omnipresent in my movie watching ever since. And he has like amazing tenacity, right? He like bounces back. He will make a slew of shitty movies and then just bounce bounce straight back from it. So example, he does Speed, right? In 1994. Mm -hmm. And everybody hails him as like the new king of action cinema uh replacing people like schwarzenegger stallone and then he does a couple of absolute stinkers like johnny mnemonic and chain reaction which are trying to like be speed like movies uh, and everybody just goes oh fuck him he's done like you know nobody wants to see keanu in action movies anymore mm-hmm. boom will smith turns down the matrix they offer it to keanu and he's just right back at the top of the fucking pile again everybody's like oh yeah we forgot this guy is like such a fucking likable presence in a movie was nicholas cage considered for the role of neo or am i making that up ah uh, that kind of rings a bell i mean he i mean he was probably in the mix right because he was a huge action star at the time as well because he just done like the rock face off Connor. yeah so yeah i'm sure he was in the mix it sounds like the sort of thing that he would want to do maybe not the thing he would be in fir- first in line for but the sort of role that he'd be like oh me <laughs> oh man i can now i kind of want to see what the matrix is with nicholas cage in it matrix as well. with, the, with nicholas cage would be like sonic with like the ugly sonic oh my god <laughs> just the janky version <laughs> of neo <laughs> in my mind at least i'm sorry hold on i'm just reading something really quickly that says sandra bullock was offered the role of neo really yeah okay i wasn't aware that they were offering it to women as well but again kind of want to see what that movie is yeah that'd be crazy uh we'll change neo to a girl uh producer joel silver and i worked with sandy on demolition man uh, yeah no weird i mean again she was a huge commodity she was massive yeah. property in the 90s so you know i would have i would have been curious to see that mm-hmm. uh well i mean keanu just when you think he's been typecast in a role he does something else and it's like oh wow okay like it, it, you, you would think his, like I think everybody thought his action years were behind him, and then he did John Wick, and we were like, oh. <laughs> yeah, that's what I was gonna say. Like he was, he was kind of in a position where he was starting to kind of slide into that straight to video crap that people like John Cusack are making. Uh, that's where he was just before John Wick, and then John Wick comes along, gets like amazing reviews, does solid box office, gets a couple of really good sequels out of it. You know, I don't know. He, like I say, he just has like a tenacity about him where he kind of just you know manages to re bound and along the way he kind of does projects that just interest him rather than ones that he takes for money right because i think the problem or or not i guess a problem i i think the thing with keanu is that he is comfortable with being whatever right so he wants to do what makes him happy not what makes him money because he's not in it for that he's like okay fine i'll take the subway okay i'll do whatever it is i'll I'll take a taxi i'll be considerate so i mean especially with good old cyberpunk 
2077. Oh, man. Right? I wondered when we were going to get into this I one. mean, we just may as well. Um, I think when Keanu was in it, he, he absolutely, like, he sold the game. Let's not, <laughs> let's not kind of sidebar here. Keanu Reeves sold that game to a lot of people. I mean, I haven't he, played it yet. I've, I watched Cohen play it the day it came out. I watched you play it for, like, a couple of hours. And it, it seemed, it seemed like something I'd be into. But then the more you hear about the fucking horror stories about these glitches, I'm like, I can wait. But so is Keanu, like, really in that game or is he just kind of, like, on the periphery? Yeah, so after the first, I I guess, like, maybe two, three hours, um, depending how good you are at the game, um, he's a pretty major part of it. He's pretty much with you for the rest of the game. Well, now I just want to go and buy that. Yeah, here's the problem. Regardless of the glitches and everything like that, I never felt like he was the person he was playing. It never felt like I was uh, I was talking to Johnny Silverhand. It always felt like I was talking to Keanu Reeves. And that's kind of the stigma of Keanu as well, right? Yeah. It's like, there's always a, an element of, regardless of what role he's playing, I mean, I don't know if you guys ever saw Bram Stoker's Dracula, but he was like massively miscast as Jonathan Harker in that movie. Mm. He tried to do an English accent, God bless mm. him. <laughs> it was atrocious. Oh my god. I haven't seen that, but now I kind of want to uh, I want to see some clips of that now. Our friend's mom actually met Keanu Reeves at a movie theater once. Oh, oh wow. that's and right. He, and, and, and she walked up, his mom walked up to him and said, hi, are you Keanu Reeves? And he went, yes, I am. And, he, and she went, how dare you try and do an English accent? Oh, what a disappointment. No, no, no. And he was like, oh my God, I'm so sorry. <laughs> oh my God, that is not how you treat Keanu Reeves. <laughs> Wow, that's a pretty brazen that's approach. That's so funny right? that when you said that, it like triggered in my mind, like, oh my god, he told me that story. If you met her, you'd understand. Yeah, she totally oh, okay. would. But but yeah, no, I mean, like, we can forgive him stuff like that, right? <laughs> because he's he's Keanu. He's I forgive you, Keanu. Yeah, I mean, I don't mind him trying to do accents. I'd rather he didn't, but you know, sure. I'd rather he try and then never do it again. Yeah, sure, and that's what he did. I mean, I don't remember him having an English accent in anything after, unless he's yeah. maybe he did. He actually did a Shakespeare movie the year after. Mm. Maybe he just had to get it out of his system, right? That's a mulligan. That's a mulligan. It's time. Yeah, piece. sure. <laughs> I mean, there's a lot of actors that get cast just for the way that they sound, like just their thing, right? Nick Cage has been doing the Nick Cage voice for going on a few <laughs> decades now. And he cultivated that voice on purpose. And now it's like his brand, right? When Sean Connery, when when he was working, you know, it didn't matter what who he was playing in a movie. He was still using the same accent. Seth Rogen, I feel, is very much the same. <laughs> yeah. You guys know that Sean Connery was offered the role of Morpheus in the original Matrix. Oh. And he turned it down because he didn't understand the script. Beautiful. Nice. I mean, at least I, I props to him, respect to him for turning it down for not understanding it. I mean, it's better than just accepting it blindly and i mean i get it he was james bond but i think it's uh but lawrence fishburne it oh yeah he, owns, kills. he owns this role especially in this movie oh my god he's kind of a dick in this movie though right they kind of make morpheus more of a dick than he is in the first movie eh, i'm okay with that he's kind of so glued to this vision of the the prophecy of the one yes. that- <laughs> It kind of blights his judgment a little bit, I got the vibe in this movie that they were trying to make Morpheus seem like the guy who believes in healing crystals, and he tries to, like, tell you about them and how good they are. Like, (laughs) you gotta believe me, like, just rub this crystal on your... You'll feel way better. Do you think that Morpheus has a crystal shop in Zion? (laughs) Dude, I hope so. That's his side hustle, is Morpheus's crystals. (laughs) I wonder wonder what kind of crystals he sells. (laughs) Moonstones and stuff. What are they using them for? Rose quartz, because that's supposed to help with love. 
love. So then it's like, hey, you oh, want to go bang yeah. that chick over there in the in the rave? I got you. It's all going to be sex related. Let's be honest here. Morpheus the matchmaker. Yeah, at the end of this rave, somebody was like, feels like everyone's sleeping very peacefully. And I was like, yeah, well, after that much fucking, <laughs> I mean, they've, they're, all, they're all passed out now. They've tuckered themselves out. They've used up their supply of Morpheus's crystals. Yeah. Um, sorry, I'm just really sold on this idea that he has like, a crystal shop, like a little a little boutique shop in like a in the marketplace, just like anal beads made out of like the the oh. crystals. He's got like a nice sideline in wind chimes as well. He's got a couple of dream catchers in there. Oh my god! It's meth. It's made out of meth. No wonder Zion's such a shithole. Everyone smokes meth. <laughs> Okay, so they finally fucking get out of Zion, mm. thank fuck. Yeah. Uh, we find out that Agent Smith has like been duplicating at an exponential rate, and he's like uh, messing up the Matrix like it's a launch copy of, hey oh, Cyberpunk 2077. Hey. Um, so Neo and co. set off to find the Oracle, because they need somebody to tell them what to do, right? They can't like make any fucking kind of informed choices themselves. They, they gotta go get their quest from the quest giver. Yes, exactly. Video game narrative 101, right? The, the, yeah. And also so many of this, so much of this movie story is either fetch quests yep or fucking um what are the quests called when you have to basically protect uh escort mission escort mission yeah fight your way fight your way through this many floors of a building yeah it's it really i mean look the wakowskis are confirmed huge gamers right Mm -hmm. so i don't blame them for trying to integrate those elements i'm not sure that they all work that well but um before they find the the oracle keanu has to have some fisticuffs with her bodyguard seraph cool coolest character in the movie in my opinion you think you think i i love seraph i think he's super cool uh played by colin chow jet lee turned down this role that's where you got the name cohen yeah i initially was like i don't remember is that jet lee and then i looked it up and was like yeah jet the jet lee turned it down i'm not sure why he turned it down that's a shame that would have been a great cameo yeah sure i mean this fight's fine it just kind of feels like a, a rehashed version of the the training fight between morpheus and neo in the first one yeah because in the end it's just like it's not really of any consequence right Seraph's just like I just had to make sure that you were like legit yeah you don't know somebody until you fight them well I mean that's true how much do you know about somebody until you've been in a fight with them I guess um Uh, but yeah, so Keanu and the Oracle meet up in this playground. She offers him Twizzlers or something. Oh, yeah, this, okay, so I have... Really made me want Twizzlers. Mm-hmm. The, or- the Oracle is played by Gloria Foster, and she actually died during the shooting of... These two sequels were shot back to back, and she died uh, during the, the break between the two movies. Um, she actually died from diabetes-related complications, and yet, all the way through this movie, she's just munching on candy. <laughs> Yep. Gotta keep her blood sugar up. How many takes did she do of this scene this and it. did it kill her? It's all the Morpheus's crystals. I mean, she was like a really decorated <laughs> stage actress and stuff as well. And she, I, I love, this is like my favorite character in these movies is the Oracle. I think she's kind of like, she has this kind of like sort of mystical thing to her. But at the same time, she actually feels like the most human character in these movies, despite the fact that she's actually like a fucking computer program, right? Mm-hmm. Which we find out in this movie. We didn't uh, know that in the first one, which is really cool. I think that's an awesome concept to have a character and then completely shift your sort of perception of them in a sequel. Yeah, and she's kind of, her role here is to basically 45 minutes into the movie to explain what the fucking plot of the movie is, right? (laughs) You know, we find out that we need to find the source and that Neo needs to take down the source to 
stop the machines from getting into Zion. Can we just sidestep for a moment? Let's talk about how we didn't even cover the side story of the Nebuchadnezzar's pilot, or uh, sorry, sorry, their operator and uh, his wife. We didn't even talk about that because it's boring. No one cares. So this is Link, right? Uh, played by Harold Perrineau from Lost. Mm-hmm. Mm. Yeah, I mean, he he's fine in the movie. and He's fine, but the just anything, everything around him is, is it's mundane, it's boring. It throws all these new characters at us and doesn't bother introducing them properly really or setting them up mm-hmm. so yeah like you say we meet his wife um is it z, z. I think, z. Yeah. originally meant to be played by alia as well but again she died not long before the movie started uh, shooting that would have been cool uh, she's actually played by uh, Nona Gay. Is it Nona Gay? I think it's Nona Gay. Her name is uh, Marvin Gaye's daughter. Oh, I didn't know that. That's really cool. But yeah, they again, they set up... We spend a lot of time with these characters without ever really getting to know much about them. Um, I think like the other thing that I, I didn't quite like is um, on my first watch through, um, I didn't quite catch it because I was already falling asleep by that point. Um, but it's just only mentioned like once that um, Link is the brother-in-law or something like that to the past operators that quote unquote died. Oh, Tank and Dozer. Exactly. So that's why um, Tank had asked him before, I guess he died of injuries or something like that. I mean, yeah, he's like, he's just written out of the movie, right? He's, he, yeah. he doesn't die in the first Matrix. No, it was something to do with like, I, I think, um, actor um, mess up. So, okay. Yeah. Okay. Contracts and stuff. It's, it's implied that Tank is now dead. That he'd succumbed to his injuries from the lightning gun or whatever. What are those things called? Lightning guns. Yeah, lightning gun. All right, that's the term we'll go with. Laser cannon. I don't know. Yeah, I didn't actually know that the they were meant to be related. Z is meant to be the sister of Tank and Dozer. It's like blink and you miss it kind of thing. Like if you're not paying attention. That's my problem is that it just wasn't really um, kind of looked into. It wasn't explored. It was just mentioned once. That's it. It was mentioned like... 20 minutes into the 45 minute Zion sequence so by that time you're just checked out yeah yeah they just do a quick recap of the interpersonal drama of the captains or whatever I mean yeah there seems to be a lot of like background politics going on with the the higher ups in Zion the Mm, the elders yeah nobody really seems to give a shit about it there's like this one elder guy that like confronts Neo and says, do you want to go for a walk? I love to walk around the engineering deck at night. And he takes him down there and then they just stand on a platform and you blatantly can't walk around the engineering deck. I was like, ah, oh, this guy's full of shit. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, so yeah, after after um, Neo and the Oracle have their kind of like little chat, we get the burly brawl, the infamous burly brawl from this movie, which is where a hundred Agent Smiths all show up yeah. and basically just pile into this playground to start a ruckus with Neo. Uh, this hasn't aged well. No, I mean, it It didn't even look great when it originally came out, to be honest. It was kind of like, it's, I mean, Hugo Weaving playing like 15 different versions of himself. Love it. Hugo Weaving is sure. awesome mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. you know and they've lined the crowd a little bit with guys that look like hugo weaving but like a lot of the action is you know when neo's tossing them around they just look like rubber dolls and it's really weightless like um yeah mm-hmm. yes it, it feels like a kid playing with their action figures going pow 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 <laughs> yeah the physics are are crappy yeah i mean i watched like the 4k transfers of this um and it really was the one bit that really sticks out as and like look we yeah. we can't shit on dated special effects too much mm-hmm. because obviously no. special effects evolve as time goes on but i kind of feel like in the original they use cgi to kind of enhance rather than create the fight scenes mm-hmm. here they're just using it purely as a creation tool 
And it looks pretty ass. I was going to just mention how, like we were talking about in The Mummy, where it, it's not okay when the original movie's SFX look better than the second because we're like, we know right. you yes. can do this. So what the yeah. fuck happened? Well, the, the first Matrix had a lot more practical effects and they did the bullet time thing, which was very time consuming. That's, but that's literally amazing. what I was going to say was I can't think of a single time that like 3D special effects were used as a, a replacement for a scene. I Like I say, I watched these at the weekend and that first movie still looks fucking great like it's it has aged beautifully Mm -hmm. so yeah this i don't know the burly brawl i mean a lot of it was all people were talking about in like the pre-hype of this movie was just this amazing scene Mm. where neo's fighting a hundred of the same character i don't know it just let's talk about sort of the idea of that now agent smith was the most formidable foe that neo had in the first movie he was the the enemy you know and i understand that neo is more powerful now he's he's the one we understand that he knows he's the one he can bend space and time and fly around like superman but i don't know a part of me thinks that either they nerfed neo to be less powerful or they made it so that agent smith is is I guess by copying himself into a million other people mm-hmm. plugged into the Matrix, he himself is losing his power or he's not as powerful as he originally once was. Right. I don't know. I don't know how to justify it. it. It just seems weird. In the first movie, Neo hasn't quite wrapped his head around the Matrix yet. He's only sort of mm-hmm. discovering his powers. So he's not like full on into his powers yet so smith is able to you know almost beat him because you know he's got a very underdeveloped sense of how to use his powers in the yeah what the popular kids might call a noob Yeah, he's a noob in the first one. And then, you know, in the second one, he's become the master. Sure, but then, like Cotton says, it kind of feels like, I don't know, the match doesn't seem particularly fair, mm-hmm. right? I mean, but then again, Neo runs away at the end of this match. I mean, he yeah. has he to escape. Away. He doesn't... Yeah, he does. <laughs> yeah. That's right. So Sorry. It's, it's, also, it's also important to remember that Smith turns into basically, I think, a computer virus. So he's not an agent anymore. So he doesn't have agent powers. He has like his own powers. So they, his own powers, I guess, are just different from agent powers. And we do see agents in this movie, and they they are pretty formidable. Yeah, he comments how they're they're upgraded versions of the agents he fought in the first movie, right at the beginning of this mm. one. Yeah, I mean, Agent Johnson is kind of like the unsung bad guy of this movie because he's the one that's mm-hmm. kind of in the thick of a lot of the action and he's actually the one that they're bringing back for this new matrix movie huh. hugo weaving isn't actually involved but they no. are bringing back the guy that plays agent johnson no hugo weaving always does this where he'll play a really iconic character and then just say okay bye i'm done with it yeah he dips yeah yeah i think the only one he's like kind of returned for was elrond still and even then that's because those movies were all done like in a very kind of like yeah short space of time together yeah, right exactly but like both because he he came back for the hobbit i'm pretty sure oh okay i didn't know that yeah i'm pretty sure he was he had darker hair i don't know they they did some weird stuff for the hobbit they must have waved a good chunk of change in his yeah. face and said please come on back Come on. Uh, we're probably going to do fucking one of them Hobbit movies at some point. Uh, I don't know. I haven't seen uh, them, but. Oh, dear God. 
<laughs> yeah. So anyway, after the burly brawl, they head off to find the keymaker, uh, who's the only person that can get them into a room with the source. And to do that, they have to strike a deal with the Merovingian. And I swear this character was played in my mind by Vincent Cassell, but no, it's not. It's actually Lambert Wilson playing him. I probably just made that connection because Monica Bellucci plays like his wife in the movie and her and Cassell were together at the time. Anyway, he's a cock. Uh, and <laughs> just like everybody else, he just like gives a long-winded speech that doesn't really amount to much. He gives he gives some woman an orgasm with a cake. Yeah, that scene was just fucking weird, right? Yeah, that was a bit strange. Creepy as hell. Although I'm sure she gave a five-star Yelp review. <laughs> <laughs> Oh my god. And the entire restaurant's watching her and is like, I'll have what she's having. Oh, yeah, there we go. About there we go. We <laughs> got it in there. But still, inappropriate. Yeah, that was very weird. Yeah, I'm not sure what point he was trying to make there, but uh, kind of gross. Um, Monica Bellucci plays like his partner. She gets fuck all mm-hmm. to do this. She kind of flirts with Neo in front of Trinity just yep. to raise her heckles and then basically just hands over the key maker to them anyway so this whole thing seems kind of pointless right and then it turns out her husband was fucking that girl in the bathroom after she ate her cake oh i didn't I, again yeah. I didn't. you didn't catch that i think that was the takeaway because they were like where's he and she's like he's in the bathroom and in the ladies I, room yeah yeah i was yeah i was later on i was like oh wait okay i get it <laughs> that's that's why she handed them the key maker was because he's a huge prick that was the implication yes she handed him the key maker out of spite mm-hmm. To but the other guy. A, a theme in these movies is choice. Sure. Yes. And they bring that up a lot. And that yeah. was something that I, I've seen these movies a million times. And that's something that I've never really 100% clued into is that they talk about having choice and fate and destiny a lot. And they brought it up briefly in the first movie when the Oracle asks Neo if, she, if he believes in fate. When he says about like when he knocks the, the vase off the uh, off the table. Yeah. And she says like, you know, if I'd have said it, would you have even noticed or something like that? Uh, right? She says, don't worry about the vase. And he says, what vase? And turns around and breaks it. And she says, would would you have even broken it if I hadn't said anything at all? Right, right. So yeah, it's it's interesting that in a in a computer system, choice is, is essentially programs are making self-sufficient choices. I mean, I guess this is like a comment on like the advancements of AI, right? And like the, the dangers of making choices a thing available to automated software rather than something that a, a person makes. Well, meanwhile, you can make Alexa fart. <laughs> wait, wait, sorry, what? <laughs> what? Oh my god. I wasn't going to bring it up. Holy shit. There's this video that I found where th- this guy says, he, he runs into the room and he's like, hey Alexa, fucking fart for me. <laughs> and she's like, she's like, I hear you're whispering, so I'm going to whisper back. And he's like, oh, you're so dirty. And she's like, yeah. And he's like, hey Alexa, play a fart sound. And she's like, okay. <laughs> Alexa. <laughs> oh, it's amazing. I wonder if Siri will do that. Oh, my iPad isn't in here. Damn it. Give it a try. Hey, Siri. Fart. Oh, it's just giving no. me the definition. No, no, no. Oh, hang on. Give me the definition of fart. Oh, play a fart scent. Fart for me. I want you to fart for me. <laughs> I'm not sure I understand. Ask her to play a. F- Please play a fart sound. I didn't find a fart sound on Apple Music. <laughs> I mean, hey, hey yes. I, can, I can point you to plenty of fart sounds on Apple Music. Just, just play some Mumford and Sons. Boom. Oh, boom. 
Um, okay, at this point in the movie, we also meet the ghost twins. Ooh. Yeah, oh, the cool. fucking ghost twins. The ghost twins who are sporting white guy dreadlocks. Um, uh, they look like albino versions yeah. of Jonathan Davis from Corn. This was actually a point of contention for the movie. I, I could totally be making this up. I feel like this is something I read, so it's factual in my mind. Hold on. Let me just consult with the lawyers before we, uh, before we <laughs> land it on here. I'm just going to... Hold on. Yeah, no, our lawyers say it's okay. Just go. Okay, yeah. So there was actually an uproar from the albino community. Oh, no. That these dudes were portraying bad people, like bad guys in the movie, and they're albino. And the the point they were trying to make is that whenever an albino person is in a movie, they're almost always a bad guy. Uh, I guess these guys didn't see the movie Powder then, where they have a magical albino who does magical... I don't know. I didn't see the movie. It's directed by, <laughs> it's directed by a pedophile. I... Oh, no. There's that guy in the Da Vinci code i don't know if he's albino in the movie is albino in the oh, book the, the guy Paul it, Benny it, plays in the movie like the the one that's like self-flagellating and stuff all the way from- yes he's constantly self-flagellating and he like yeah wow, what a theme alexa self-flagellating <laughs> <laughs> <Sorry>. <laughs> <laughs> these guys uh they have all kinds of funky powers, right? These ghost twins. They are like literally ghosts in the Matrix. Mm-hmm. Yep. I mean, there's there's kind of like a lot of chit chat about mythology of being things like werewolves and mm-hmm. aliens and whatnot in this movie. And I guess these ghost twins are like the closest we get to sort of seeing that. Is this the scene where they're fighting with swords and tridents? Yeah, they have like a fight on the staircase, right? Yeah. I was watching it. I'm like, the only difference between this and the other scenes is that there are swords and tridents uh yeah which is fun that's what it felt i love like. that jazzed it up a little bit i don't know outside of aquaman i want to see more trident fighting i think tri- a trident's a cool <laughs> yeah. weapon to fight mm-hmm. with right mm-hmm. i mean anchorman you stabbed a guy with a trident i know what you'll be sporting at the end of days when it comes down to the crunch when when covid finally yeah. starts to take out everybody i'm gonna be there with a trident mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. just <laughs> stabbing fuckers on queen street um <laughs> In fact, why wait till the end of days? I might make that my weekend plans. <laughs> See, why isn't that a nerd thing? Nerds put axes on their walls and swords on their walls. Why not Trident? Why not a Trident? <laughs> we, are, we are a very pro-Trident podcast. Get get on it, nerds. Get a fucking Trident for your wall to look badass. Fuck yeah. Neo somehow manages to find himself like shut in a chalet at the top of a mountain. Oh yeah, that's right. Nice little fucking vacation for him, I guess. Which kind of leaves Morpheus and Trinity to try and escape with this keymaker fact. I love him. Yeah, I like the Keymaker. He's yeah. kind of, he's an interesting character. Yeah, he's pretty cool. I think he's my favorite in this whole movie, and that's something. <laughs> he gets to sit on, he gets to ride pylon on a motorbike. You know, <laughs> he gets to give a speech just like everybody else. It's nice. Mm-hmm. This that section of the movie should be called Keymaker's Day Out. Yeah, <laughs> no. he's getting a nice change of scenery from what he's used to. I get to leave. Uh, I get to leave my room. <laughs> uh, yeah, so here it is. My kind of favorite part of not just this movie, but actually maybe this entire franchise. Uh, mm-hmm. Hot take: This freeway chase is insane and is probably Hell better yeah. than any set piece in the first or third movie as well i don't think that's a hot take at all okay i'm, I'm including the lobby shootout in that from the first movie as well i think this is this is more exhilarating right. for me i absolutely agree with you this is what the wachowskis excel at this is them doing mm-hmm. just pure imaginative unbridled action they built an entire freeway just outside oakland like a mile and a half, sorry, 
2.4 kilometers in Canadian. Thank you. They built Thank it you. from scratch, like literally asphalt up just so they could do this 20 minute scene. It's funny. Laura walked away during the scene and came back and was like, is this still happening? <laughs> <laughs> it is very I long. Did- I was like, the difference being is that this actually kicks ass and the Zion stuff is boring as hell. I was going to say, I probably said that like three or four times during the movie. (laughs) I I can't think of like a a more kind of kinetic car chase sequence in a movie other than maybe Fury Road is like the only one I can think of Mm. that kind of matches it. Oh, yeah. This scene's just bananas, right? Like there's cars flipping all over the place. There's people fucking zooming around on motorbikes. These corn ghosts are like floating in and out of vehicles. It is. Oh, yeah. It's insane. Oh, yeah, the ghosts. <laughs> Jonathan Davis squared. <laughs> I would make a reference to a corn song, but none are coming to mind because I don't like that band. They literally have a fist fight inside a car at one point. It's fucking yep. so yeah. cool. Yep. They're having a proper full blown fist fight and they're literally just sat in place, fumping the shit out of one another. <laughs> and the keymaker's just like trembling in the corner, oh, like, please don't hit me. I yeah. love him. Yeah. Trinity rocks the motorbike. Yeah, Trinity. Mm-hmm. And what's even more impressive is like Carrie Ann Moss did a lot of this shit herself. Yeah. I actually watched like a 30 minute documentary on this earlier. She was an absolute pro. I mean, she had a stunt double. Don't get me wrong, mm. but she was a pro at sliding these cars around, zipping back and forth on the motorbikes. Um, kind of sucks that Carrie Ann Moss never really broke out of like the the Matrix franchise as like yeah. a, a lead. Yeah. She's always been pretty reliable and stuff. I mean, she's great in Memento. Um, and she showed up in uh, Jessica Jones as well, I think. She was in like oh, the yeah. first season of that show. And then if that isn't enough, they just throw a couple of trucks into the mix as well, right? Yes. And it like all culminates with Morpheus fighting Agent Johnson on top of one of these trucks. Here's the fucking thing about this bit. This is the most exciting part of the movie, right? This is like oh, the fucking, is. the V set Absolutely. piece of this film. Neo has nothing to do with this set yep. piece at all. He <laughs> yep. is fucking absent from this entire stretch of the movie. That's because he ate a junior mint and ended up on a mountain and then... Uh, had to... <laughs> He's out there drinking a Coors Light with Jean-Claude Van Damme. Uh... Had to fly like had to fly like Superman for like 90 minutes or something. Oh I don't man, know. they love referencing Superman in this movie. I'm pretty sure at one point... <laughs> Link refers to him as he's he's out there doing his Superman thing. You guys are like into Superman this far in the future. Are you still caring about that? I don't know. Actually, Superman would be a Matrix construct, no? Or no, I guess the real world existed prior to mm. yeah. the Matrix's inception. Do you think there's like a, a Zack Snyder program running around the Matrix talking about, I'm going to release the Snyder Cut one day? <laughs> Stan Lee is just a program. Excelsior! Control Alt Delete. Control Alt Delete. (laughs) (laughs) Turns out Zack Snyder is just a computer virus. Yeah, Zack Snyder is a computer virus. I believe that. (laughs) He's a fucking Twitter virus, if nothing else. Um, Going around replicating himself. (laughs) Replicating his shitty movies. Come at me, Justice League fanboys. (laughs) I I love that Morpheus takes down a car with a sword. Oh god, yeah, that's so badass. He like takes out this fucking four by four by just literally slicing it like it was and bread. He it flips it and then and then beats up the bottom of it so that it explodes. Mm-hmm. Who needs a lightsaber? Yeah, I know it's so much cooler than that. Yeah, Morpheus actually gets to be a real badass in this. I mean, he doesn't yeah. get to do much fighting in the first movie, right? He fights Neo in the training yeah. program, 
And then he just kind of gets the shit beat out of him by the agents and then tied up in a room for most of it. That's true, yeah. But he gets to be like a legit badass in this fight on top of this truck. Did you notice the callback uh, during the fight? No. The, the little... Oh, when he does the hand thing flip with thing? The hand thing. The hand oh, thing yeah. And he yeah. also jumps through the air and does the same like knee drop move that he did on Neo, but he tries to do it to the agent. He's got the moves, right? That's like his... It failed both that's times. That's like his um, Shuriken move. <laughs> that's like... Yeah, the movie's reminding us that Morpheus has been operating in the Matrix for a long, long time, so he's had a lot of time to practice mm. doing all this stuff. And then I guess like just as these two trucks collide, uh, Neo swoops in and saves the day. Kind of feels like a bit of a fucking glory hanger there, really. Just like, yeah. you don't really need to be in this scene, dude, but whatever. I mean, there's no other way it could have ended, I think. Yeah, sure. I mean, they have to remind us that Keanu Reeves is the star of this movie and, you know, they have to give him something to do, right? What would you, how, how would you have ended it? Well, I don't know if it's, I would have ended it differently, but I would have maybe like cut to scenes of Neo trying to get there in a hurry. I mean, you know, we just cut away from him flying away from the mountain. Maybe like show him stopping at a 7-Eleven to get snacks on the way or something. <laughs> he gets like a, mm-hmm. he gets like a slushy on the way <laughs> a taquito yeah exactly he look he looks away at the wrong moment and slams into the side of a building or a, yeah. or a mount, mountain or something sure. i mean yeah that kind of happens in revolutions when he's gonna save uh trinity oh no wait no that was this movie oh good lord yeah he does that's right yeah i don't know i kind of i kind of checked out towards the end <laughs> i'm I think that's the thing I like about Revolutions compared, or uh, sorry, sorry, Reloaded compared to Revolutions is that a lot more Mm. happens in this movie than I think people give credit for. Mm -hmm. And there are a lot more characters. It's a lot more dense than Revolutions because I literally thought that scene was from Revolutions and it's not. And I I, I don't remember a lot that happens in that movie other than I mean, a Mm -hmm. big chunk of Revolutions is the whole Battle of Zion thing, right? Yeah. The only thing Revolutions has got going for it that's cool is you've got some sweet, sweet mech suit action going on in that movie. Uh, But yeah, like, again, Neo's kind of sidelined from most of Revolutions, and the main focus is, like, this battle for Zion that's taking place. But uh, we might might have to save the revolution's chit chat yeah sorry <laughs> no it's fine so, so it's, excited, it's, so ahead of it's hard not to talk about it because these movies both came out within six months of each other and oh wow really six months oh yeah no yeah so yeah um reloaded was may 2003 and revolutions was november 2003 wow i actually didn't know that that's amazing yeah they shot them back to back i think the they shot them for a year in australia and california back to back wow mm-hmm uh, so anyway, the keymaker takes Neo to meet the source of the Matrix, and it turns out to be some old white guy, go figure, called the Architect. <laughs> um, and we learn through like some of the most convoluted dialogue possible. It was like literally somebody was just had a thesaurus open when they were writing this, right? <laughs> well, there's a whole plot of them having to get in there, and it's like some weird combination of like a casino heist crossed with the Death Star because they have to turn the power off, and then which is the plot that Niobe and Ghost are kind of part yeah. of. Yeah. I'm assuming that yeah. that's kind of the plot of the game is it them is, yeah. getting yeah. to the power station, right? Sorry, just sidestepping for a moment. I think the analogy of the back door is so cool in this yeah i love this idea that there are all these kind of like back doors in the matrix that you know you can only access with certain code in i mean that's kind of like doing rocket jumps in half-life to cheat the game right? it's like <laughs> sure yeah <laughs> it is just shortcuts basically right it's, yeah basically well, these guys have figured out a way to speed run the matrix well the idea of a back door and hacking is that you leave yourself 
what's called a back door so that you can get back into whatever you're trying to access later. The warp zone. Exactly, yeah. There there a lot of a lot of early video games uh have codes because coders were presumably using them to get to certain parts of the game to test it without having to play through the entire game over and over. Yeah, because early video games were hard as fuck, right? Like <laughs> Yep. Warp zone. Exactly. Yep. That's why there's a, a level select in the original Sonic the Hedgehog. If you do like a certain button combo, the oh, you do a combo of the sound tests or something. Uh, yeah, like, yeah. Levels no, no, a list a list shows up of all the worlds, and you can choose. Yeah, that's the what I mean. But you, you have just, to access it by yeah. putting in different sounds in the sound test menu first, right? I think that's two. No, it's like you just you 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 mash a bunch of the buttons. It's like it's all the it's, it's like the Konami code basically. Yeah, I remember the sound test one from from Sonic Two. Oh, uh, the Konami up up down down left right left right B A star. Can't tell you my social insurance number, but I can tell you that. <laughs> <laughs> that was my uh, my locker combination. I actually had a weird lock for my locker combo, so uh, you could program it by sliding a disc up down left or right. It was basically a big joystick. Oh, cool. Yeah. So then I made it the up, up, down, down, nice. left, right, left, right, down. And then I put in like another up, down at the end because I was just like, shit, somebody's definitely going to. Just in case other nerds yeah. decide <laughs> yeah. to hack your locker. So. <laughs> so we meet the architect, ergo. <laughs> um, we find out that this is actually version six of the Matrix. And the and this is kind of the coolest twist of this movie, I think, mm-hmm. uh, is that Neo is actually a program himself. Yeah. Uh, he's designed as kind of like a failsafe measure to stop the extinction of humanity. Um, and as we were talking about, he's like presented with a choice, right? He gets to choose between saving Trinity, who has taken a clip full of ammo to the stomach at this point, um, or saving Zion. And Neo, yeah, fucking horny wee bastard. <laughs> he opts to save the girl instead. Is this like a statement that men only really think with their dick? Because uh, it's true, we do. Um. <laughs> I, I read it more as he was like calling his bluff. He was calling the architect's bluff. Really? I just thought of that um, taco commercial. The what commercial? There used to be this old El Paso commercial where um, it was like, <laughs> what was it? It was something like... It was like, do we have hard tacos or soft tacos? Or no. Yeah, something like that. And then the little girl's just like, why not both? And then they just like throw her they, up like, in celebration. They like hoist her up and they're like, yeah! Yeah! <laughs> <laughs> you say Neo should have gone through both doors? <laughs> just, well, yeah. No, I'm telling, saying he should have had a soft and Oh, okay, talking. right, okay. Yes, obviously. No, it was just kind of like, it, well, I'm going to get Trinity, and then I'm going to save Zion, and why not both? That's what my brain went to. It's the quintessential superhero moment where the villain's like, you can't save both at once, and they're like, the hell I can't. Yeah. I mean, Dark Knight would disagree with that theory. Yeah, exactly. Because Maggie Gyllenhaal gets blown a fuck in that movie. Um, oh, right. I forgot. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I kind of like the little touch in this uh, architect scene as well um, of all the different iterations of Neo being like on the TV screens as well and their responses to being like presented with that choice and they're all like giving yeah. the architect the finger and stuff. It's, oh, that's kind of cool. Yeah, <laughs> some of them are like, fuck you. Yeah, it's all his, it's it's all the possible reactions he could have that he's not having any See, of. I thought that originally too, but in I during this watch through, I thought maybe those were the previous versions of him. That's what I thought they were. Yeah, I think that's what they're meant yeah. to be, right? Well, no, there's, there's like a whole grid of them though and there's only been like six previous versions of him. So mm. Mm. okay, maybe yeah, I think fair. I think it was meant as these are your options for how to react to this situation. Although a lot of them were largely just him telling the architect to fuck off. I loved that. <laughs> so side. I guess yeah, 
And it's, yeah, and having him say, it's interesting reading your reactions. And I'm like, what reactions? (laughs) (laughs) Neo's not reacting to shit. He's not doing anything. His face is just completely stoic. Well, he's there's a lot for him to take in in that scene, right? The architect's throwing a lot of big words at him there. Um, Yeah. Ergo. Ergo, concurrently. Vis-a-vis. Yeah. There's this tech manual, read it, 1,200 pages long. You know, that scene completely boggled my mind as a child. Hmm. Yeah. And watching it again, I started to kind of understand some of the things he was saying. But if you asked me what he said, I could give you like a layman's version, but I could not repeat what he said. Yeah, no. I mean, I had to read a transcript of this, even this weekend after watching it. I was going like, what's he What's he getting at here? I mean, you know, the, the basic version of it is, is is that all the other versions of The Matrix failed. The early versions failed because they tried to make it too perfect. Utopia. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, and Smith talks about that in like the first movie as well, about how the human brain just can't comprehend perfection properly, yeah. so it just basically implodes anyway. Mm. It needs the illusion of choice. Yeah, exactly. And there we go. Like. Like, the one is essentially Goldstein, like, in 1984. You know how in 1984, if you've ever Mm. read that, how Goldstein is, he presents both an enemy and, like, kind of this ray of hope, like, oh, he's the leader of the resistance. And then it turns out that he's just some dude that they made up so that people could scream at a screen or feel hope. And it's also, it's got kind of, like, a few sort of, like, touches of the Wizard of Oz to it as well, right? Of the kind of the man behind the curtain thing, right? Yeah, definitely. So Neo, yeah, he opts to go and save Trinity, and he does this by, uh, uh uh-oh, he puts his hand under her top and basically squeezes her boob um, to bring her back to life. Oh yeah, he does like... Like that fake surgery thing that they do in some countries where they pretend to put their ha- their hand in your stomach. And, I mean, like, is he going to pull her heart out like Temple Doom? Is he going to be like, yeah, Kalima! Kalima! With her heart? I don't know. Um, Perform a fatality. Yeah, I was like, that's a really fucked up way to do CPR. I mean, it's very literal and it's sweet. I, it's cheesy, but it's mm-hmm. sweet. I can respect I mean, she's kind of dead for when he does it. So is Neo actually a fucking necrophile? Oh, Neo. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I don't know. She's code. Yeah, she is code at that moment, yeah. She's just a bunch of code code at the end of the day i guess i guess i mean not the real trinity obviously but then again you know the real trinity is lying in a chair and somebody else is shooting her full of adrenaline what was what was in that needle i think it was a uh, a (laughs) painkiller oh okay that's what i thought yeah she starts like bleeding pretty badly in that scene right yeah yeah so he brings her back to life and then kind of other than that nothing's really resolved in this film neo like manages to use his matrix superpowers in the real world to stop a bunch of the sentinels oh yeah and he just kind of passes out and i remember in the in the movie theater being like oh shit neo's gonna like you know go to zion and fight the sentinels using matrix powers yeah they don't do that and then he you know yeah passes into a coma and i was like oh okay yeah yeah and we cut to the shot of this bane character the one that's been uh possessed by uh um, Agent Smith in the Matrix, and he's unconscious on the table next to mm. Neo. You mean Cipher too? Yeah, I was gonna say, is that supposed to be Cipher? Yeah, I guess maybe they couldn't get Joey Pants back for this one. Joey Pants. <laughs> well, I mean, he died in the first one. They sh- he shot him with the plasma gun or the lightning. I gun. mean, that's true. Yeah, that's true. Oh yeah, that's right. Yeah. I wonder if he's going to be in the new Matrix movie. I mean, they're bringing back a bunch of dead characters, right? So. Why not bring back Joey Pants while you're at it? Is his last name really Pants? His last name's Pantaleone. Uh, oh, okay. But, <laughs> but everybody calls him Joey Pants. Yeah. He's fucking great. I love that guy. Um, he was in the Wachowski's first movie, Bound, mm-hmm. which mm-hmm. is a... 
it kind of got a lot of credit as being like a, a steamy lesbian erotic thriller when it came out but it's actually just like a really cool little heist movie it's got like a lot of style to it it's definitely worth checking out when I, whenever i think of joey pants i think of baby's day out because I, my friend's family watched the shit out of that movie when they first bought it and I have to admit, the scene where he's reading the baby, the the, the little storybook, is the it's just fucking funny. It, it. <laughs> I just think of him from the Goonies. He's one of the Fratellis in the Goonies. Uh, oh yeah, that's right. I gotta watch the Goonies again. Yeah, he's super young in that. Um, and then the movie cuts to black and boom, a Rage Against the Machine song kicks in because you <laughs> liked it when we did that in the first one, didn't you? Didn't you? We're going to do it again because yeah. you liked it in the it. first one. I loved one. it. Give me more. Yeah. Yeah, no, it's kind of cool. I mean, I don't hate the soundtrack to this movie. It's pretty... I don't think it's as iconic as the soundtrack to the first movie. I think there's a lot no. more kind of like iconic tunes like Propeller Heads on the first movie. Mm-hmm. But yeah, the soundtrack to this movie's fine. The score's really good. Dragula by Rob uh, Zombies in the first one. Yeah, exactly. you got some Marilyn Manson on that first yeah. one. Um, Prodigy's on the first one. Overseer. Oh, we skipped over the bit where they did some hacking. It, it, it showed... I was so gratified when it showed Trinity, like, hacking. Oh, yeah. I was like, oh, yeah, they're hackers. Yeah, that's something <laughs> they've kind of glossed over from the first movie, right? Is that these are a bunch of hackers, basically. Yeah, yeah, like, oh, oh, yeah. Like, they. that's how they do what they do, is they know how to hack shit. <sighs> yeah, I mean, this movie really kind of fucking drags for the first 75 minutes. Like, aside from the Burly Brawl, which isn't that great, it doesn't really kick into gear until, like, the final hour of the film. Yeah, the burly brawl in my mind is always one of those moments. I'm like, that moment's awesome, and then I see it, and I'm like, okay. And then I see the high, the the, the highway chase, and I'm like, okay, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, the highway chase still looks great, but again, that's because they did most of it practically. You know, they yeah. built all of this mm-hmm. set. They had literally hundreds of fucking vehicles out there. Whereas the burly brawl, like I say, it just feels kind of weightless and on a soundstage. Yeah. It's like elf bowling. Oh, elf bowling. Yes. <laughs> oh my god. Wow. Wow, that's a deep cut. And it all just it just kind of ends so anticlimactically, right? Nothing's resolved. Yeah. And the reason they do that is to ensure that you come back in six months for part three. Yep. Except people didn't. Oh, no. <laughs> uh, people were kind of pissed oh. off at the way this movie ended. And the third film kind of tanked. It made about half of what this one made. Uh, people's interest just kind of wandered off, I think. The fucking third movie got its ass kicked at the box office by Elf, of all things. Well, okay, hold on. <laughs> Elf is one of those classics that follow me to it this is. day. Yeah. So. Elf is uh, amazing. Nah, hard disagree with all of you, but let's not get into that right now. <laughs> I unironically love that movie. If I had to, if I had to pick between Elf and Matrix Revolutions, I'd pick Elf. I, there's not enough mech suits in Elf for my liking, but apart from that, sure. <laughs> there's at least one, probably in Santa's workshop. Santa has a mech suit. Did Matrix Revolution? Was there a guy in like a suit where he's like working a big mech suit, but it's like open in the front? Yeah, that's kind of the design of all of them. They're kind of cribbing on that aliens mech suit design. I hate that. I, I, I hate that design. No matter what movie it's in, I'm always like, that's so impractical. You're unprotected. Yeah, at least you're pretty exposed, <laughs> yeah. right? Somebody could just fucking shoot you. Which is probably why, like, 75% of Zion die in that fucking movie, right? You know? <laughs> well, I mean, they, they a lot of them are walking around in their bare feet. They're dressed like, like peasants. Yeah. <laughs> 
That's true. They can't even make fucking shoes. I mean, yeah, Zion kind of blows. Yeah, Zion fucking <laughs> yes. sucks. I could have just done without it in either of these movies. I feel like Zion would have been one of those things that would have been better for like tell, don't show. Yeah, or just you know, like put it in the animatrix. Maybe give us yeah, give us like yeah, a, an yeah. animatrix segment about Zion, but we don't need mm. to spend so much fucking time farting around in Zion in this film. Or at least, like, have, like, I don't know, an indoor garden or something, you know? They, they're powering yeah. ultraviolet lights and they have a massive garden and crops and, and you know, a, a world that feels almost Earth-like, but not really. Yeah. It I, feels I mean... like their t- technology is all kind of on their ships. Like, all of their manpower is built towards those ships, so, like, they haven't actually spent any time making their um life easier because they're like if we just get rid of these you know oh god what are they called i don't know the octopus sentinels sentinels yeah yeah if they just get rid of those then life will be back to normal and that's what it feels like they think even though what Mm. isn't the like surface of the earth now completely scorched and stuff it's scorched yeah it is but there's a there's like a little scene in um revolutions where they manage to get above like the fucking the the cloud line Mm. and it's like this beautiful sunshine and why not why not just build upwards instead of going down why don't you just cloud city this shit and go up well i mean the sentinels would just crash everything but (laughs) probably i guess i didn't i didn't figure it that way but bio shock infinite style just like everything's on a blimp exactly that's what these series needed is more airships so okay we all love keanu reeves right Mm -hmm. this is true probably more than film critics love keanu reeves so i was kind of thinking let's play a game about that okay uh i don't have a title for the game but i do have a song for it I think these are getting better every time you do them. That rocks. So the the idea of this game is is that I am going to uh, give you the name of a movie starring Keanu Reeves, and we're going to take it in turns, go around the horn, and I want you to guess what it's Rotten Tomatoes. Tomato. Score is. <laughs> uh, we're going to do Price is Right rules, so if you go even 1% over on the score you're out and the closest to the score wins okay okay everybody clear on the rules clear yes yep cool because it's not that complicated right so we just talked about it let's start matrix revolutions what is the rotten tomatoes tomato score for matrix revolutions uh okay so we'll go around i'll ask you in turn laura 73 percent. okay you're saying 73 megan uh i'm gonna say 65 36. Nobody gets a point because you're all Three. over because it what? only scores 35%. Oh, I was so oh. close. He was so you close. Said I almost oh. tempted to give you a point Fuck. because you were one off, but no, I'm not going to because I'm a mean bastard. <laughs> <laughs> I was thinking of the wrong one. 35% for the Matrix Revolutions. Uh, seems a little low. I don't know. Uh, let's switch it up and do a classic Keanu. What is the score for speed and just to give you a more of an advantage i'm gonna move i'm gonna rotate it around so megan you go first um i'm gonna say 82 percent. 82 uh cohen speed what do you think well i was gonna say 80 but 
I'm going to go with 83. <laughs> oh, he's Price's right in her out of it. <laughs> I, knew, I knew it was going to come to this. Laura, what are you feeling? Do you think these guys are maybe too high or too low? I was going to say, I think I'm just going to go with 69%. Dang. Point goes to Cohen because speed is currently rated at 94%. Oh, on wow. Tomatoes. Wow. <laughs> really? I mean, it's a good movie, but... I mean, it's a great movie. Um, and hey, guess movie. what? That sequel? Know. We're fucking doing that. Um, nice. Okay. Oh, okay. Is that the one that's on a boat? Uh-huh. That's the one. Okay. Great. So yeah, let's keep Sandra Bullock's in the mix. Sandra yeah. Bullock's? Sandra Bullock. Sandra Bullock's? Sandra's bollocks? Sandra- <laughs> Let's keep bollocks. Sandy bollocks in the mix. <laughs> the Lake House. Roddy's favorite oh, movie. God. Oh, God. Um, so, Cohen, you're up first for this Well, one. I've never seen it, Me so neither. I have no gauge as to whether it is a good or a bad movie. I'm going to go with 1%. Wow, okay. Ballsy, ballsy choice there. Very, very strategic. Mm-hmm. Laura, what do you think? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go 50%. Okay, fifty percent. Uh-huh. A bit more faith in the lake house than uh, than your your good partner here, uh, Megan. What are you saying? I have seen it, so I'm gonna go for like thirteen percent. Oh, Megan wins. The lake house is currently rated at thirty five percent. Gee, thirty five. Wow. Same score that's, as Matrix Revolutions. I trusted Roddy. Very <laughs> optimistic. Uh, I mean, it's not a. It's it's watchable, but it's very schmaltzy. I never saw it. I like Keanu. I don't like him that much. Come on. Um, you don't like Sandra's bollocks? I'm not a fan of Sandy bollocks. Wait, hold on. So Cohen's got a point. Megan's got a point. Laura, you need to get on the board. I, yeah, okay. <laughs> I'm going to throw you this bone. Uh, how about Bill and Ted's Bogus Journey? That's the second? That's the second movie. Okay. You better not be Googling this. <laughs> Hands up. Um, I'll just, I'll go with the same. I'll, I'll go about like 70%. 70% you say? Okay. Yes. Um, Megan, Bogus Journey. What are you thinking? I see. I know that the audience score is probably pretty fucking high on this on this movie, but I don't know what the critic score would be. So I'm going to put the critic score around like like I don't know, like sixty five percent. And I'm doing it dirty, but that's I mean, my personal as an audience member score would be like ninety something percent. But hell yeah, because it's fun as hell. I'm just trying to put my brain, my mind in the cynical brains of movie critics here. Sure, you were you said sixty five. That was going to be mine. Um, um oh, no. <laughs> what are you thinking? Uh, you know what? I'm going to go completely the other way. Uh, eighty. Okay, you're all. Way over. Really? Oh, really? Nobody gets a point on this one. That movie is rated at 57% by the critics. Ah, uh, fucking critics. Yeah, fuck those critics. Bogus Journey fucking rules. <laughs> I'm not saying we're doing a good with numbers month, and I'm not saying Bogus Journey is my pick, <laughs> but we are, and it Excellent. is. <laughs> I can't wait for Laura to pick Shrek 2. Uh, uh, I said good with numbers. Um, <laughs> yeah, good movie. Shrek 2 is arguably the best one of the lot. True. <laughs> Please stop talking about Shrek. <laughs> we can't. We can't. <laughs> I hate him so much. Um, all right. Okay, so they didn't like Bogus Journey. Fuck those guys. Um, yeah. Mm-hmm. This one has got Keanu and Al Pacino as the devil himself. Oh, oh. We're talking 1997's The Devil's Advocate. Megan, what are you saying? Uh, the Devil's Advocate. Oh, my God. 
I'm sure it was a... Oh, God. See, I feel like the opposite is going to be true for this one. The audience score is probably going to be low, but the critics score, who the fuck knows? Um, oh, God. I don't know. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say 70%. 70%. I don't know. You've got Al Pacino just hamming the fuck out of it's, this movie yeah oh yeah he he's hamming his way through he's chewing the scenery as usual it's yeah i don't know that it holds up i haven't seen it in a while uh cohen what do you think for devil's ad 25 okay 25 laura what are you saying let's go one percent <laughs> cohen wins it's 63 percent oh wow okay yeah, sorry, Megan, you were over. Laura, you were... I was under. Very pessimistic about what critics for that movie. <laughs> I don't fucking know. <laughs> but it's better It's better to go lower. It's not a reflection of how I feel about the movie. It's just better yeah, sure. to pick a oh, lower yeah, number. Sure. Yeah, sure. Yeah. <laughs> um, all right, Megan's got one. Cohen's got two. Laura's got none. I'm good. <laughs> so you can maybe get some this is our last one we're gonna do you can maybe get some redemption here but megan, i'm going you, for uh clear out <laughs> okay megan you need to win this one otherwise okay we're, we're two in a row for letting guests win on our quizzes we just look like <laughs> we're rigging it yeah 1995's cyberpunk thriller johnny mnemonic oh my gosh co-starring ice t dolph lundgren takashi takano hmm Cohen, you're up first. Johnny Mnemonic. I've never seen it. That sounds great. From what you're describing, sounds sounds great. It has a it has a uh, um, a dolphin that's connected via an Ethernet port in it. Keanu uses his memory, his uh, brain as um, a portable hard drive, and I think he's storing like 120 gigs of data or something in there or something like that. Might not even be that much. We're watching that. Yeah, we're we're hella watching this movie. I think you guys would be into it. That one's based on a. It's based on a science fiction novel. By it's based on yeah. William Gibson wrote. The- William Gibson, yeah. I have the words "future dolphin" tattooed on the back of my neck in Japanese, and that just like wow. And you, wow, Johnny Mnemonic was basically made for you then. And sorry, you said ninety five, right? Uh huh. Yeah. That's, that's when that's I was born. <laughs> oh my god, the prophecy is fulfilled. I'm the one. Oh my god. <laughs> I'm the one. Quick, take these crystals. <laughs> Morpheus has got a two for one sale. Um, Cohen, what do you think? Um, honestly, from your description, I'm gonna go a bit lower than I'm thinking because I don't want to be over. But eighty, eighty, okay. Laura, forty-two. He with the tattoo, forty-two. You're saying forty-two. Okay, is that too generous? <laughs> Megan, I'm gonna say seventy. <laughs> You are all really overestimating this movie. Really? This movie 25? is fucking garbage. Oh, it's so, so good. <gasps> oh, no. I've never, I've never seen it. I mean, they should have got me to do the hype for this movie, right? Because uh, nobody turned out for it. Nobody saw it. Uh. This movie is rocking a 12% score on Rotten Tomatoes at the minute. 12? Holy shit. It's really bad. Oh, okay. Wow, that's really cynical. Wow. I guess all the science fiction nerds turned out and were like, oh, no. now that I'm seeing You can't seeing shit on William Gibson. <laughs> it's a real mess. I saw that one in theaters. Yeah. It is a fucking oh, okay. mess. I just saw a picture of the dolphin. Oh my god. I feel like maybe a, a, a Bad With Numbers commentary track might be on the cards for Johnny Mnemonic. <gasps> it's not a sequel, but we'll make an allowance, right? I yes please i i think i think we should have a month where we uh cover sequels that came out the year we were born oh damn well i mean we're straight i mean oh god i'm gonna age myself horribly but we're gonna be fucking watching a black and white silent film for net fuck off Um, we're gonna be watching uh, (laughs) 
We're going to be watching that one where the fucking train pulled into the station and everybody ran out of the cinema screaming. <laughs> you know what? I'm not even going to say I'm what we're doing. I'm sorry, yeah, that's not- No, 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 no. Because the one that we'd be doing is like one of the most famous sequels of all time. It's a, a Laurel and Hardy follow-up. No, it's... um. <laughs> Fucking Empire Strikes Back would be the go-to for me. Oh, uh... Oh, yeah! Um, what are you guys? What would be the sequel from the year you were born? What year? I mean, tell me the year you were born and I'll tell you the fucking movie it would be. Well, 1995. I was gonna say, we're 95. 1995 for mm-hmm. both of you, so... Yeah. Die Hard with a Vengeance. <gasps> That's Wait, we need a different sequel for each of us, because we're two different people. We're just gonna watch... No, you're not. We're just gonna watch Die <laughs> We're just going to watch Die Revengeance twice, oh, okay, because it's yeah, so yeah. fucking good. Yeah. Okay, mm-hmm, other sequels mm-hmm. from 95. Uh... So then, okay, I was born in the beginning of 95. Colin was closer to the end. I'm August. I can't even think of other sequels that came out. that. Oh, Batman Forever. Boom, there you go. There you go. Perfect. Nice. Megan, you were what? 80... 81. Looks like Halloween 2 is... is uh... Oh, I mean, that's a pretty good show. Yeah, there you go. You could do Halloween 2 in October. Mad Max Road Warrior came out Oh, in there you go. That's the perfect one. That's perfect. <laughs> okay, that was our quiz. Uh, final thoughts on this movie. Any of you guys going to recommend Matrix Reloaded? If you've never seen any of the Matrix movies, don't bother with this one. Watch the first Matrix movie and then make an educated choice as to whether or not you want to ruin the rest of the series for yourself. (laughs) Um, All joking aside, honestly, having watched these movies again, they're not as bad as I remember them being, but they do drag quite a bit compared to the first movie. And the CG is very dated. Mm, And the the aesthetics are very obnoxious. A little, yeah. (laughs) I mean, by today's standards, I think, yeah. Yeah, the long black coat and the black shiny leather vinyl and shit. Yeah. It's a very good background movie, in my opinion. Like, if you just kind of, as Roddy like to say, is say like it's it's good for doing other things such as Hallmark movies. But um, <laughs> for this one, like honestly, I'll always have a special place in my heart for The Matrix because that's the first kind of thing that Cohen and I did when we first started dating. Is we showed Aww. each other our favorite movie series, um, and I fell asleep during uh, Matrix is Reloaded. <laughs> And he fell asleep during Lord of the Rings Two Towers. So, you know. Sorry, sorry. Lord of the Rings Two Towers Extended Edition. Okay, listen. Yeah, I don't blame you for falling asleep. <laughs> yeah, I don't blame you. Gotta make a case for myself here, at least. No, good. It's a good sequel. You didn't even need to add that extended tag, and I would have been like, nah, you're good. <laughs> um, but honestly, yeah, I I don't think I would necessarily recommend it. I would always recommend the first one, and I might recommend the Animatrix, but maybe not Reloaded or Revolutions, honestly. Okay. Megan? Uh, same take. I mean, the first one holds up. The other ones, eh, not so much. Just go watch john wick Mm -hmm. the john wick movies they're all solid i mean that's a better trilogy right the they hang together as a better trilogy oh yeah and even there's action beats that are repeated between movies and it's still great like you don't even notice and sure and it they just they're every movie they're trying to do something new with the action sequences and you know like on this one he's on a motorcycle on this one he's on a horse on this one he's breaking a bunch of fucking glass windows and shit it it's you know it's just it gets it's borderline ridiculous, but it's just so cool to watch. So much fun. Sure. Um, I'm going to kind of recommend Matrix Reloaded with like the caveat that the first 75 minutes are pretty tough to get through. Mm-hmm. But the payoff of that freeway chase is 
almost kind of fucking makes it worth sitting through them. I feel like, you know, they doubled down on uh, the philosophy aspects of the first one and they really tried to like shoehorn in a lot of that stuff and a lot of it doesn't work. But when you get down to like the brass tacks of these movies, these are action movies. And I think the Wachowskis have just like such a fucking flair for like bombastic action Mm -hmm. that it's hard to say that this is a bad film. It's just Mm -hmm. a kind of poorly paced one. Mm Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe like losing 20 minutes of that opening segment would have made this a much better fucking movie. I totally agree. So that was our episode on The Matrix Reloaded, directed by the Wachowski sisters. Next week, oh man, I was going to ask you one of you guys to set it up, but I'm just going to fucking lay it out there. Next week, we're doing Mamma Mia. No! Here we go again. I am terrified of this. ABBA is like fucking kryptonite to me. I don't like (laughs) Meryl Streep. I don't particularly like musicals. Why the fuck are we doing this film? Is this just some kind of torture exercise for me? I just love hearing you go off (laughs) on movies that you you disagree with. So... I mean, we might be surprised. Maybe I'm going to love this, I hope so. But... ABBA is such a fucking trigger for me for reasons we'll go into next week but I mean I I mean I don't really know much about this movie other than the fact that it's a prequel and as far as I could tell from the trailers she has like a four way with three dudes on a boat I don't know god damn maybe I'm reading this movie all wrong <laughs> that's probably not wh- that's probably not what actually happens but like wait 50 Swedes of Grey <laughs> well does this one take place in Greece like the first one I think so so yeah, I think that's where there's Yeah, so it's a it's a it's an English musical yeah. that takes place in Greece called an Italian word by a Swedish band. Damn. That's weird, yeah. Oh yeah, oh fuck oh god. I mean I I gotta watch this shit this weekend and I'm so like not ready to do that. <laughs> yeah, the first one is about uh she's Amanda Seafried's getting married and she doesn't know who her dad is and she conspires to have these three dudes that are most likely the one of whom is their is her dad to show up at her wedding. Um and just basically the long the short of it is Meryl Streep when she was younger banged three different guys in the same summer in a very short period of time and such that she didn't know which one knocked her up. That was basically the story. <laughs> Don't we get like terrible Pierce Brosnan singing in this one as well yes. or something? Yes. Oh, God. It's like nails on a fucking chalkboard. Yes. Oh, no. Oh, no. But he's not going to be He's not gonna be in the second one because the second one's a prequel. I think he is in the second one. Oh, is he? Oh, well, I'm sure, I'm sure it's bookended by present day whatever. Is he in the three-way on the boat? I don't know. Well, he's supposed to be one of the dudes just in, but in the flashback, I'm assuming it's not, he's not playing the same guy. Oh, wait, they're not using like de-aging technology here? They're not fucking, I don't know. That's they're not Irishmanning it? Um, oh, too bad. No. No, no, Meryl Streep isn't playing the younger version of herself, I don't think. No, no. It's just it's just a splashback story about her banging three dudes in the same summer. Well, now you're making the movie sound appealing. Now I'm kind of <laughs> looking forward to it. Don't be deceived. Johnny Mnemonic is apparently shit. And you sold it pretty well. Yeah, that's true. That's true. Um, Cohen, what do you want to plug, man? There was one thing I wanted to say, but I could never find a way to work it in. Matrix Reloaded, like reloading a gun, but also like reloading a computer program. Oh, it's so, oh. it works on two levels. <laughs> it's so smart. Anyway, uh, yeah, no, I, I, I make music, uh, under the pseudonym Sixstroke, S-I-X-T-R-O-K-E. And, uh, yeah, that's, that's pretty much all I got going on. You got, you got any shows coming up? 
This goes out. This is the today is the fourth of February. So, <laughs> so by the time this airs, I should have a cassette releasing of my most recent EP, Neon Shakedown, for Neon City Records, and I should have another EP coming out on Monastery Recordings. Fantastic. I mean, thank you very much for joining us, man. It was it was awesome to have you finally come on and thank talk you about for having me. With us. I can't. Kind of feel like anybody would have done a better job than you, man. You you know your shit when it comes to the wonderful world of Matrix. And thank you. I'm gonna send you a picture of my Matrix memorabilia collection so that you can Holy maybe shit. like include it or. Uh... Oh hell yeah, we'll we'll throw it up on the socials. Yeah, your your art is in there, Neth. Yeah, that's right. Oh, that's right. I I forgot I did yeah. you a painting, didn't I? Oh yeah, cool. <laughs> um, yeah, we'll stick that up on the yeah. social, man. Everybody can have a have a look at that. So yeah, next week, Mamma Mia. Uh, until then, we have been Bad With Numbers from Toronto, Canada. Stay safe out there. Goodbye. Bye. 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 transport process has altered your consciousness, you irrevocably remain human, ergo concordantly, vis-a-vis. You know what? I have no idea what the hell I'm saying.